This is the organic stream. Welcome. If you look at the history of civilization, there is a direct relationship between the decline of soil quality and the decline of those civilizations. All these things came from the earth. They need to go back to the earth. We're not just keeping this stuff out of the landfill and making a product. And that's the attitude you have to take. Every single day, somebody knocks on your door and says, Can I have your way to do If you collect waste alone, then you will have Hi there and welcome to another episode of the Organic Stream on CompostStory.org. Today we're in New South Wales, Australia to talk to Organics Recovery Specialist Jerry Gillespie about the City to Soil Organics Collection Programme he's involved with and more specifically about the very interesting City to Soil composting process that they have started to implement with great success. The process composts using inoculants and requires no shredding, barely any turning or water and is ideal for remote locations, small farms or anyone with minimal time or funds who wishes to start compost their organic materials. I'll be asking Jerry detailed questions about the composting process, the inoculant itself, the compost quality, and also how they managed to succeed in achieving such low contamination rates in their collections. And before we jump right in, I'd like to thank Polytex for helping us make this episode possible. Polytex is a reliable supplier of quality tarpaulin products such as compost covers and shelters, servicing a wide range of customers from industry, agriculture, construction, commercial spaces and mining in Australia and overseas. If you're looking for tarpaulin solutions and want more information, check out their website at www.polytex.net.au. And now here's Jerry Gillespie for this week's episode. So Jerry, would you mind telling us a little bit about City to Soil? Give us some background information on how it all got started. Um, we, we commenced using City to Soil as a program in 2003-04 in a little town called Queenbian, which is next to our national capital. What we were trying to do at the time was demonstrate that we could collect clean, source-separated organic waste, turned into a high-quality compost and get it into agriculture much cheaper than we could put it into landfill. And we demonstrated that we could actually do that. We could collect it, process it, carry it 200 kilometres and put it at a farm gate for about $50 a tonne, including profit, when the disposal fee to landfill was $75 a tonne. The thing that really surprised us was the very, very low levels of contamination. The, the entire focus right through the City to Soil program has been on the idea that this material is going into agriculture to produce food, so it must be clean. And we found that that message absolutely resonates with people. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, after the first very successful trial, we were given a $2 million grant to run the program in four areas of New South Wales, four council areas. One of the those areas is four and a half hours away from where we are here. Um, if we use the normal method of composting, it would have meant that we would have been loading machinery onto trucks and carrying it from one place to another. We would have used up our $2 million in a very short space of time. So it was clearly necessary to find a new way of composting. Yeah. And what was the new way of composting then that you developed? Um so we're really, um, we developed this process of covering the material and using an inoculant, and it's been very, very successful. 
it's more or less, if you look back at the history of composting, it's a combination of what the Japanese community call bakashi, which uses effective microorganisms. Um, these inoculants speed up the process, but more importantly, they change the biological nature of the compost pile. These sorts of processes have been used. There's a very good description, if anybody has a, the old book by Sir Albert Howard called An Agricultural Testament, pages 48 and 49 are almost this process absolutely described. So it's very much like the original biodynamic composting process as well. Okay, and um, maybe you can talk us through the actual process. How do you go about it? So the composting process that we use for city to soil is basically that we've asked people to give us clean source-separated product because we're putting it back into soil to grow their food. And people really seem to understand that because our contamination rates are very, very low. We bring the material into the composting site and we spread it out on the ground. We take out any obvious contamination and there are things that you miss in that first step and we don't shred. It's very, very important. The argument is because we collect our food waste and the garden waste in one 240-litre wheel bin, all of that material pretty well, most of it, will be no longer than your arm and no thicker than your thumb. So most of that material will break down without shredding. If you, if you do shred at that first stage and there's a bottle that you've missed, um, what, it, what happens is you end up with glass or plastic all the way through your compost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get it very, very wet, so somewhere between 40% to 60% moisture. Then we inoculate it with the inoculants that we've prepared previously. Um, then we push it up into a pile. We put a cover over the compost pile and we put an indentation in the top. And what normally happens then is green waste in that circumstance will go up to about 70 degrees Celsius, so it gets very hot. That heat drives the moisture out of the pile onto the inside of the cover if you've got a cover on and all the water runs off because it's a slope. If you have an indentation in the top, then what it causes is, is the two sides of the compost pile will push the water up toward the top, but most of it will drip into the bit that's indented and fall back into the pile. That actually means that in most instances, not in all, but in most instances, we don't have to apply any more water after that first stage, although sometimes we put more water on it in the middle stage, about six weeks into the process. But the, after the compost goes up through the 70 degrees Celsius, the family population, that's the first stage, aerobic stage of composting is totally an oxidation process. Once it gets to that peak, all those families change and they collapse back in the pile and the process becomes fermentative. So it's a fermentation process, much the same way as you'd make, as a farmer might make silage or Germans might make sauerkraut. It uses lactobacillus as the principal biological agent in that process. But those biological processes can change quite dramatically in the compost pile. So then we just leave it for another six weeks. We leave it for six weeks in the first stage. We take the cover off. We check the moisture and everything is breaking down quite well. And we may put more inoculant on and we may put a bit more moisture on them. We put the covers back on. We'll sometimes turn it at that stage, put the covers back on and leave it for another six weeks or another 12 weeks if possible because in that secondary stage, the humus in the pile is actually building quite dramatically. We've found with our compost process, at the end of this process, we have 30 to 40% more compost than you'd normally have if you had a totally aerobic process. Amazing. In this compost process, what we're trying to do is make something. Most waste management processes are trying to reduce something. They're trying to get rid of something, which is how the oxidation process in compost is quite often looked at from a waste manager's perspective. What we're doing is we are not trying to solve a problem. We're trying to develop an opportunity. It's a 
totally different focus. We're trying to make something beneficial out of something and we want to return it back to the soil to give an even bigger impact biologically into the soil. Interestingly, the council in Armidale, one of the five councils where we're using the process now, they've been using our inoculants strictly now for about eight or nine months. The Environment Protection Authority has just given them an extended licence to process 50,000 tonnes a year on their site, which is large for a regional centre in Australia. But they've made it a condition of the licence that they have to use our process, which I think is wonderful. Yeah, that really is. It's a testament to the success of the programme then. Absolutely, yeah. And um, so let me just go back a bit now and ask you a few more details. Can you tell me what kind of covers you use for the compost? Um. The thing that we found to be best of all is what in Australia we call grain covers. Um, they're very heavy duty. They're generally used to cover large outdoor piles of rice and wheat in Australia. They're very durable, which means that we can have the same cover for time without it deteriorating because of the ultraviolet light. So it's important to get something good value. If you're going to invest in something, you're better off to spend a couple of hundred dollars on something because it will last you years. Sure, you can go out and buy plastic or you can go and buy a cheap cover, but, you know, it's gone in six months. So, yes, we try to rely on, on quality. Mm-hmm. And they're not breathable covers, are they? No, they're solid. Yeah, they're, they actually, you don't let any air, the, the entire idea is to contain the microbial processes. You're trying to create a circumstance where they've got a food supply and they've got enormous family members there together. While the food supply and the family members in the right conditions are there with moisture, then they'll breed up. And and in breeding up, they're creating more humus. They're pulling more things in from the atmosphere and they're creating beneficial outcomes. Excellent. And um, how much machinery then would it take to run a program like this? Very, very little. Our entire objective in in designing the process was to have something that really used minimal machinery. I've tried to get farmers to use the process because the only thing they need is their tractor. And most tractors have a a bucket on the front so that they can move manure and things around their farm. So the only things you need, basically, are the, um, the tractor and some supply of organic material and just a simple cover. So... Not a complex process. And the inoculants, if you look up lactobacillus on the internet, you'll find the start of those processes or even better still, go to your local effective microorganism supplier and buy some of their product. And you were telling me that you can make the inoculant yourself. Yes. I, I, um, we made it in a hotel room in Egypt. So basically the process is half a cup of rice in a small jar, a honey jar, um, with water. And you leave that sit for three or four days. It pulls the lactobacillus in from the atmosphere with the loose-fitting lid. The lid has to be on. You don't want little animals getting in there because they carry other types of biology. But the air contains the biology, contains the lactobacillus. So rice in water for four days in a, in a dark cupboard. And then you take that water, pour it off into two litres of normal milk or skim. I've used skim milk, tin milk, um, powdered milk, all sorts of treated milk. After about another four days, all the solids in that milk will form a cheese on top, which is about two centimetres thick or an inch thick on top. You take off the cheese and feed it to the chickens or the or the dogs. Animals love it. It's beautiful. It's quite edible stuff, actually. And then the serum, which is underneath, you dilute that 100% with rainwater because you don't want any chlorine in there. If you do use tap water, leave it sit for an hour, but dilute it 100% with water, add half a cup of molasses, and that's the basic product that will stay in that form for about three years without and quite stable. And then we take that product and we extend it again. 
we turn it into a more extensive product that can be used as a fertilizer or a compost inoculant. Or the the secret to the whole thing, to my mind, is introducing a process that enables the the biology to be as diverse as possible. The more diverse the biology in the compost heap, the better outcome you're going to get in the longer run. Mm-hmm. And uh, the quality of your compost then is quite good. Brilliant. It matches the best of any compost I've ever seen anywhere. We have local people here. There's a company called Wylad west of us who sell their compost for about $125 a tonne, whereas commercial compost in this area in bulk would normally sell for about $40 a tonne. The end objective of what we do is to have a product that is biologically active, has large uh, high levels of humus, and it uses the, the composted material simply as a substrate, as a vehicle to carry the biology back out into agriculture. Excellent. And so because of the nutrient value, you can sell it at a high price. And can you tell us a little bit about the feedstocks now? I know that this process can operate with variable feedstocks. So what kind of materials can you use? There are a whole lot of different feedstocks that we've used in the process so far. Normally in a composting process, you you have to have a ratio of about 20 to 1 carbon to nitrogen up to about 60 to 1 carbon to nitrogen. Using this process, we've composted Australian native sawdust, which has a carbon to nitrogen ratio of about 150 to 1 on its own. Uh, the reason for this and the reason why variability of feedstocks does not matter all that much is that this process pulls its nitrogen base from the atmosphere. So after it goes through the first phase, or while it's going through the first phase, it, uh, the aerobic composting will normally blow off a lot of nitrogen, but the fermentative stage seems to build up a whole lot of things back into the process. So yes, the mix of materials is not really all that crucial. Um, we've done it with pure food in Newtown in Wales in 2007, and it worked perfectly, or we've done it with Australian native sawdust at the other extreme. That's really good. It's a really good advantage. And Jerry, can you tell us then what contexts would this process be ideal for, do you think? Well, in terms of using the process, I think the biggest advantage is that it's excellent for remote locations. We've never ever said that this process is so unique, you know, it's better than any other compost process in the world. Composting processes have been around since the dawn of time and nature is very good at doing it in all sorts of different ways. But what we've tried to do is come up with a process that can be used in remote locations or by farmers to get a very, very good product. The process is not that different to biodynamic composting, except biodynamic composting is not generally covered. Um, and this is absolutely simple. If, you, if you're a farmer and you don't have time, you could set up the compost pile, put the cover on and just go away for six months. That's incredible. So it really requires very little. And there's no odour issues either, isn't there not? No at all. No odour, no shredding, no turning, no odour. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, we know as well, in order to make good quality compost, you need a very clean source of organics. And you mentioned before that you had great success with the City to Soil program. Can you give us an idea as to why that is? The, the thing I suppose that's really unique about, well, I don't suppose it is, the thing that's absolutely really unique about City to Soil is the community engagement process. 
I think people have got to a stage with recycling programs where they see that when they're putting their newspaper into a recycling bin or their aluminium or aluminium, as the Americans would say, into a recycling bin, they're giving that material away. For their pay, they pay for the service to have the material collected, and in most instances, it goes off to some reprocessor somewhere. So they're giving Rupert Murdoch his newspaper back at a discount price, or they're giving aluminium away to Camelco, one of the larger companies. Where, if you put organic material into a bin and it's being made into compost and it's going back into soil to produce food, the people see that's a very real connection. I think at the what we've done inadvertently and in some ways intentionally, we we obviously expected to get very clean material from it. But what we've done is we've hit a button in people that really resonates with them. We're operating now in five council areas with City to Soil and our contamination rate seems to get lower and lower, not worse and worse. Most contamination rates around the world in organics recycling, people think they're doing really well if they if they only have 5% contamination. Our contamination has never gone above 0.4 of 1%. Um, the lowest council we just started with at a place called Palarang their contamination level is currently running at 0.06 of 1%. So in a small town of about 400 people, we collected one and a half tonne of material and the total contamination with two soft drink cans and one plastic pot. Um, that's absolutely nothing. That is really incredible. And for our final question now, because we're running out of time, uh, can you tell us how you got such low contamination rates? Uh, what do you do? What we collect is garden waste and food scraps together. Now, that's unusual, but in Australia, our circumstances are relatively unusual. We have 455 million hectares of land under agriculture. 75% of that land has got less than 1% organic material in it. So our soils are very low in organic material. We have about 45 million tonnes of waste a year, and about 60% of that is organic. So it is an absolute no-brainer that the thing that we should be doing with our organic material is collecting it as a clean product and getting it back into our soils. So to make that as easy as possible for people, we use a 240-litre wheel bin, a cart for the Americans, um, into which we give people a compostable bag which sits in their, on their kitchen bench. Because the compostable bag breathes, it allows water to go out of it and allows the material to lose a lot of its moisture, but it won't smell. People then tie up that bag and they put that in with their green waste in a 240-litre wheel bin. The difference with our bags is when we give a household a roll of 150 bags, they all have a number on them. So we can theoretically find out if we've registered the number against the street address of the house that we gave it to. We know where that bag came from. But we don't use it negatively. What we generally do is we'll wait until we get the bags back at the composting site. We'll pull two of those bags out of the compost pile. And if there is no metal, glass or plastic in those bags when we open them, that household wins a $100 hamper of fruit and vegetables. We're trying to make people think about where their food comes from. But more importantly, the fundamental thing about seed to soil is trying to connect the urban population back to the rural population. And, and that whole link is to try to get people to think about the farmer as their food supplier because regardless of a farmer's religious, political or social beliefs, you need to have a relationship with them because they're growing your food and you ne they need security and you need security of supply. So food is very, very important to us. We say to people all the time, if you eat, you're involved, you know. Um, it's a process you can't avoid and, and so... And we think this message can transfer quite comfortably into any language.
um, because it's a very simple message. It's just simply saying clean material goes into your food supply. Amazing. That's a great message. Well, congratulations on the success of the program. And uh, Jerry, that's all we have time for today. So all right. thanks a million for coming on the show. Okay. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a million. See you. Bye-bye. That was Jerry Gillespie for the Organic Stream on compoststory.org with a great insight into the City to Soil program and composting process. As always, if you have any questions or comments, leave them on our website, compoststory.org, or on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is compoststory.org. That's all we have time for this week. Do tune in next week for more great stories.